Hey everyone, this is Matt General. I hope that you enjoy listening to this week's teaching on intimacy. Intimacy is a core value, not just for our leadership team, but also for us as a local church, as a community of believers that are coming together to minister to the Lord every single week and live out the gospel every day. I believe that intimacy is not just a message, but I truly believe that intimacy is the message. I believe that it is the normal uh, Christian message, the, the normal message for the life of a believer, that it is not just one of the things that we that, that we talk about, it is the foundation that we live off of, it's what we live into, it's what we live with our eyes fixed on, because intimacy always points to a person, and that person is Jesus. So I hope that you enjoy listening to this week's sermon, and I just, I bless you, we are praying for you, love you guys so much. And there's a, a sweet, a sweet presence of the Lord in here right now, right? It's good. I want to, I want to read this to us right now. I didn't write it. I wish I did, but um, it's absolutely amazing. And I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to imagine this. The reason as to why I'm having um, faith still play right now is because, um, and I know we talked about worship last week, but uh, there's a, our whole lives are worship, so we, we could spend every day talking about it, but there's a form of worship in the Old Testament, and it's in the New Testament, but one of the first times that, that I, I believe that we see it is in the Old Testament of, is when King David is summoned by King Saul to come and play a spontaneous sacrificial song and a stringed instrument for him. It's when, it's when Saul is tormented by demons. That, that word of praise actually has a name and it's called Zamar. And it's, it's one of the seven Hebrew words that we use for praise. And it's the whole purpose of a Zamar praise is that it, in that moment, it hushed and removed the demonic spirits that were tormenting Saul. So he would summon David, David would come and play a Zamar praise, whether it was in the same room, next to him, whatever it looked like, David would do this Zamar praise and Saul would be stilled. And so as, even as you, you're in here tonight and you're saying, well, well, nothing, nothing's really happening to me. I'm, I don't, I don't really feel any different. And without going off on a tangent too much on that, we're not necessarily here for us to, to get a feeling of being or feeling different, or we're not, we're not necessarily waiting for something to happen to us. We're giving him what he is worth and we're giving him what he deserves. And when you realize that it's not actually in the performance of your behavior that he delights in, but simply as you as the object of his affection, your heart behind service and your heart behind worship will actually totally change entirely. And it no longer becomes about how you behave, but it becomes about how you behold him. And so I want you to hear Jesus speak this over you. Marry me. Let me be all to thee. None can be what I can be. Give ears to hear and eyes to see and thrill your soul with ecstasies. Fill your heart with joy and peace and make internal wars to cease. 
and lift you above life's miseries. Open your eyes to mysteries. Impart to you my victories. Love you now and endlessly and marry you eternally. I haven't been saved my my whole life, but the more the more that I begin to know the Lord and the more that I begin to actually know him. And can I just say this? This is a uh, this is this is a disclaimer to what it is that I'm about to say. If love that you didn't earn and love that you didn't work for is the most offensive thing in the world. Have you ever had someone come up to you and love you in a way or give you something that it's like that that's like that's for someone else. That's ridiculous. It's it's the most offensive thing. And it's especially the most offensive thing to a mind wrestling with religion because a religious spirit will always be in opposition to the spirit of love. It, it, it puts you in a place of where you can't receive because you didn't earn it. And the biggest revelation that we can get as born again men and women is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of behave, but of behold him. And the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of behavior, but identity. Because if the kingdom of God is a kingdom of behavior, there's this old man, he's not even alive anymore, this incredible man of God named Andrew Murray. And he said, a dead Christ, I do everything for, but a living Christ has done everything for me. I love that quote. I think that there's this other guy, his name is Watchman Nee. He said, if Christ, and I'm gonna butcher this quote, don't, if you, if you Google search me on this, this won't be exactly right. But he says, if God is dead, then we better get to work. But if God is alive, then we rest in that he has worked and it's finished. And the more that I know Jesus and the more I love like that, what Jeff shared at the beginning of the night about what it truly means to know him, like that's, like that's one of those ones of where I read it and I'm like, man, I can't, like, I can't believe that's legal. I can't believe this is in here. Like, I can't believe that's in here. And sorry, I'm not pausing because I don't know what to say. I'm pausing because I just, I want to say the things that actually matter and the right things. And I, tr I, I, I feel like I'm to a place now of where I can confidently say this without regretting it after, as soon as I say it, I'm convinced that the essential Christian life and the essential Christian marriage is that he has come to marry you. And I just, I'll give, I, I will give my life for that statement. I'll like, I'll really give my life for that statement. Like I really believe that because what made me go in the total opposite direction of knowing Jesus was religious acts and duty and behavior in the absence of knowing him. And anyone can perform service. Anyone can perform service. Marines know how to perform service. Someone in the army, someone that works for a huge company, someone, anyone can know how to perform service. If, if I was to say right now, by the end of the night, this whole room has to be painted blue, it may not all get done, but like, we would get to work. Like every single one of you would get to work. Like you, it would have to be done. But service is not the defining factor of a heart that knows him and that is in love with him. Because if it was, 
I personally believe that the suicide rate would be lower. I personally believe that drug addiction wouldn't exist. I personally believe that marriages that end in divorce wouldn't end in divorce. I believe that anyone struggling with any form of addiction at all ever, it just, it really would cease to exist. Because for me personally, my life of addiction ended when I realized what he felt and what he thought about me. And it changed when I had a man, a, a series of men, look at me and just say, Matt, like, when are you gonna get it? Like, honestly, when are you gonna get it? You're, not, you're no longer a drug addict that needs to be worked on. You're a son that needs to come into the revelation of your royalty. And for some reason, we do this thing of where we walk around. How many of you have done this? You've prayed the prayer and hear me on this. Like seriously, like dear Lord, please hear me on this. Please give me, un like just, I'm, I'm not even gonna probably talk the whole time. Cause it's like, my gosh, it's obvious that the Lord is, is so here in his gentleness and his kindness tonight. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm fully convinced that how many of you have done this? You've gone away to be with the Lord and you've prayed the prayers of God, just make me better. Just like, I'm just gonna do better. Like, hey, just make me better. I just like, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, I think Clay even said it tonight or whoever offered that word of exhortation about your love growing cold. And oftentimes our response to a heart of love that has grown cold is literally this. All right, here we go. New year, new me, new year's resolutions. I'm gonna read more, I'm gonna praise more. I might even go on a fast. I might even like, and, and, and like, honestly, I believe all those things are, are beautiful and noble and, and incredible expressions of holiness. But anytime we use behavior and anytime we use works as a means to turn the attention of the Father's face, you've actually just entered into self-righteousness and religion and the Lord cannot land on that. The Lord cannot live in a heart that is self-righteous because he will not share his nature with anyone. And us being in a place of self-righteousness is essentially saying, I don't need you, I have me, and my works are enough to carry me. You find, you find that you are his best against his very chest to where he carries you through life and a living Christ accomplishes the work for you and he doesn't look at you and say, well, you better ship up and get to work. And I know that in certain circles, like, like we can rally and applaud and go nuts around that and go crazy, but it's like, there's an orphan heart behind that statement. Like you have to hear that there's an orphan heart behind that statement. I wanna share this story. There was a, I don't know where the conference was. I don't know where this was, but I love this story. And ever since I've heard it, it has just convicted the crap out of me. There's this huge conference going on and there's all these speakers on the front row, just like the who's who of who people wanna hear and the who's who of people wanna hear from. And everyone's waiting in line to get prayer from these people. And, and like, oh man, if I can just get that dude to lay hands on me, just like, just, just monsters in the faith. And one of them is this old guy has just plain suit on. It's worn out at the cuffs around the ankles. The shoulder, the, the elbows have sewn on elbow pads from the years of ministry that he's done. He has a Bible that's leather and worn out, tattered pages that are 
literally melted through with the highlighter marks of secret place time that he spent when no one else was looking. He walks with a little bit of a limp from the, from the years of life happening to him. And then there's a young guy sitting right next to him, dressed just to the absolute nines, looks, just looks absolutely impressive has all these beautiful and amazing one-liners that people write down and quote and post on Instagram and Facebook later. And he has all this energy and he knows how to work a room and he's funny, all these things. And the young man comes up to the stage and opens up his Bible to Psalm 23. And he starts reading in Psalm 23. And as he's reading, he's holding his Bible above his head and he's shouting and he's getting everyone riled up and there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of passion in the room. There's not a single person sitting in their seat. There's everyone's just going nuts, going insane, just losing it. And they're applauding, screaming. He gets done reading Psalm 23, closes his Bible, walks down off the stage and sits down next to the old man. The old man gets up, walks up onto the stage. Man, like this is... This will get you. And the old man walks up to the stage, limps up the stairs, throws open his Bible, and it almost falls open to the crease in the page of where Psalm 23, the pages of it, are wet with his tears of the way that he weeped over the word and he allowed the person of the word to weep over him. And there was an exchange of a kiss of worship of where romance happened in a secret place that no one else saw. And he doesn't even need to talk about it because you can sense it off of his very person. And he starts to read Psalm 23, barely above a whisper, barely above a whisper. And by the time the old man is done reading, he, he closes his Bible, walks down off the stage, and there's not a dry eye in the audience and everyone's just broken. Some people are laying on the floor. Some people are kneeling. Some people have come to the altar. People are just broken, just completely and totally broken. And the young man as the old man sits down, the young man looks over at him and stares at him for a minute, trying to figure out what's so grand and what's so impressive about this old man. And the young man says, how in the world did you do that? How in the world did you do that? And the old man says to the young boy, says to the young man, my son, you know the Psalm, but I know the shepherd. You know the Psalm, but I I know the shepherd. Not to get like super heavy right now or like critical at all. And I'm not even remembering the verse reference. Someone that knows the word way better than me can shout it out if you want. I believe that there's going to come a time of when the people of God stand before the Lord and there's people that do not come into heaven and and they say, Lord, we did all of these things in your name. We cast out devils, we healed the sick, we laid hands on the sick, we, we, we cleansed the lepers. We did exactly what you said. We, we did everything, we did it exactly, exactly how you said, we imitated you. And the Father will look at them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for you don't belong to me. Laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover, being able to do miracles with the Lord, I, 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 and, and, and I truly, I used to think that that was the mark of a true and mature Christian. I, 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 and, and sometimes, I'll just be honest, sometimes I still do. Well, if they got healed, it was a success. 
And I, and I used to measure success by, well, well, how many sick were healed? How many, like, what were the works that were done? And I believe that that verse is in scripture for a reason. When Jesus says, depart from me, for you never knew me. Dude, how the heck did we not know you? We did everything that we said. And I believe it goes back to what Jeff shared at the beginning. Those that know him will be those that are in love with him. And those that are in love with him will be those that are fearless to let him love him, to let him love them. And I don't believe that Jesus is looking for workers. I believe that he's looking for lovers. And I believe that the normal Christian life is a life that looks at sitting at the feet of Jesus and adoring him long enough to where you've heard the, you've heard the expression of show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you'll be in five years or whatever. I used to hear that from my parents all the time. And I hated it because most of the times because they were right. <laughs> they, were more, they were right more than what I gave them credit for. And I truly believe that when we sit with the Lord long enough and it doesn't, and please don't hear me, the, the, the purpose of prayers is like, we, we should expect answered prayers. We should expect answered prayers. I've never known anyone that goes into prayer saying, oh man, I hope that this really doesn't get answered. Like, that's ridiculous. But here's the thing. I don't even, like, dear Lord, like have mercy on us in this. I don't even want to have a prayer life that's based off of I can only love him if he answers me. Let it be, I just want to come close enough simply just to hear him breathe. Just, just to hear him breathe. A woman by the name of Mother Basilea Schlink said, He is here, what more could I want? He is here, what more could I want? Because when I describe that, when, when I tell you that Jesus, he is the answer, he is the solution, he is the solution within the solution, he's the source. When I come to him, I'll find like, man, I, I already have my answer in him. Like he, he actually is the answer. And soon it's, it's not even about, it's not even about getting prayer answered in the way that I think I need it to be answered. It's about, did he touch me and did I touch him? Because I can tell you something that I've had my prayers answered and all it really did was give me permission to live in a place of independence from him. And oftentimes what we're really praying for is, Lord, if you'll answer this, if you'll help me in this, if you'll give me this, but really what I'm saying is answer me this so that I can continue to be a God unto myself. Answer this so that I don't really need you. Dependency is the language of sonship. Dependency is the language of sonship. And when I forget that I need to depend on him and I become impressed and inflated with myself again, I've left first love. I pray that the Lord would cripple us with his grace and cripple us with his love and wound us with a love sickness that is only satisfied by secret place lingering and longing with him. You want my, my personal opinion on this. This is what I would like to suggest to you. I believe that that's the answer to every single, any person that brought a problem into here tonight. I, I, I like my gosh, I'm so convinced like that's the universal answer. I'm so convinced. I, I 100%, I believe in self-help. I believe in self-betterment. I, I believe in all, all, of, all of the things, all of that. 
But at the end of the day, sometimes it's about going to him and letting him hold you and him emptying you of everything that you were never created to be in the first place rather than trying to take inventory of yourself in the first place. Because oftentimes me trying to take inventory of myself apart from his embrace is just a stale expression of self-righteousness. It's me, again, trying to be a God unto myself outside of his embrace. But if I come to him and I'm silent for just longer than just two seconds and I slow down my thoughts, the music is still, faith is still playing for a reason because I truly feel like this is what the Lord is doing tonight. He's undoing some of you and he's wounding others in here. And he's wounding you with a lovesickness that will bring you to his feet every single time. And it won't be about behavior and it won't be about rules and it won't be about rituals and it won't even be about getting it right. It will be about resting in the fact that he is right and you are right in him. And he'll never send you out apart from him as his embrace. I can't tell you the amount of times I've, I've come through the door after a day or things have gone on and I'm irritable with brandy or, or maybe I'm just, I'm short with myself or like we're sitting down eating dinner and I'm just like, I'm there, but I'm not there. And I'm like, the meal is made. I'm excited to see my wife and my son and I'm just, and I'm not even present and I'm not even there. And I'm like, I'm not even involved. And she could ask me one question and it's just, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's great. And it's just, it's very short and there's nothing there. Do you know from me, and if this is for you, just reach out and take it. It's because in that day, I was so focused on my performance rather than the embrace that I'm just burnt out on my own efforts. And I'm just, sorry to be so crass. I'm just pissed off at myself and a heart, that is at un, a heart that is at unrest in here will create an environment of chaos out here. So if you're anything like me, okay, I get it. We need to let him love us. Okay, I need to be held by him. No, because if you actually get it, you wouldn't try to be moving on from it so quickly. If you actually understood it, like that would actually be the beginning, the middle and the end for you. It wouldn't be, oh, that's just one of the things. No, it is the thing, guys. Like it is, it's, it's the thing. I love, like I'm, I love miracle signs and wonders. I love seeing people saved and seeing people healed. But if, if it comes out of a heart that is not lovesick and longing for the one that, has, that is married to them, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't really think it's impressive to him. It might be impressive to me. It might be impressive to other people that are around me and don't know me that well. But anyone that truly knows me well is just be like, dude, just get back in the first love. Like, why are, why are you performing? Why are you stressing? Can I be, I've been vulnerable with you guys this whole time, but can I, can I be like really pull back the curtain to, for you guys, to you guys for a minute? Because vulnerability is something that is a, This is a learned skill for me, meaning, and like, and that's meaning like I'm, I'm not great at it. I'd prefer not to do it. And I would, I would rather people think something about me that is rooted in, in what I can present rather than what's really going on. I had an insane day today of where there was a moment in my day of where honestly, um, everything that like we're going after here in the city, everything that 
we're going after here with, uh, with the church plant, just everything that we're going after, everything that we want to see, even the prophetic words, even, even the things that like, like, oh man, I got that word, now I need to steward it, like just all the things. Oh, if people, if people don't come back, it's my fault. If people, what if I don't do a good job present? Like, I'm just, I'm going through all these things. And I had a moment today over a phone call and I just like, I broke down on the phone call. I just like, I kind of, like, I kind of just had a freak out. And I just was, and I was, and I was talking on the phone call and I just was like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how to do this. And it's, and, and that, and that freaks me out. And looking back on it, I, I, this is what I sense from the Lord. Ah, yes, you're getting it. You don't know how to do it. How badly you need me. How badly you need me. What a beautiful thing. Because if you have labored in the flesh, you have built the house in vain. What a beautiful thing that you need me. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing that people would look at you and say, yeah, dude, that dude there's, there's no way. What a beautiful thing that grace has carried you, kept you, and is forming you. What a beautiful thing. And sometimes the episodes of our humanity are the holy ground of intimacy where we meet Jesus. And the episodes of our humanity of where we come in and he's actually saying, let the marriage covenant become real right now. Because for the longest time, what I would, and I did this in my marriage, I did this with Brandy. Brandy would ask me how I was doing. And I'd be like, no, I'm great. Like, I'm, I'm great. Everything's great. Like, I'm amazing. Like, really, because you seem a little hyper right now. No, I'm great. You're, you're, just, you're just not asking the right questions. Like, no, I'm doing amazing. And then I would like go retreat or go on a car ride and call whoever I needed to call and freak out and then just tell Brandon, like, no, I'm, I'm still amazing. I'm doing awesome. And you want to know one of the best things. I can remember one of the first times that I did this. She asked me how, how I was doing. And I was like, honestly, like, I'm falling the heck apart. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like everyone's gonna see through it. And like, no, I'm not doing great at all. I'm not doing well at all. And I'll never forget the gentleness and kindness of my wife in that moment that modeled the gentleness and kindness of Jesus of where I can still remember one of the times, like it was one of our first seasons. It was, it was one of the first um, years that we were here. And I remember walking through the door. And at this point, I'm my gosh, guys, I'm so filled with pride. Like I'm so filled with self-righteousness and trying to be a hero on my own, a savior on my own. And I came through the door. This is like, I'm being real, real with you, with you guys right now. And I remember coming through the door and I just, I saw my wife and I just like, and I lost it. Like, I'm pretty sure I, like, just being real, I'm pretty sure I fell into her. And there were some things that came out in that moment, but literally it was years of me pretending like I had it together. It was like, oh, this is what a man is. This is, this is what a husband is. This, is. this is what a godly man looks like. Do you wanna know the, the picture perfect image of a godly man and woman? Do you wanna know what it is? It's being unbelievably broken at the feet of Jesus. And then he kisses you back to wholeness. Like that, that's freaking insane. Like that's amazing. It's being unbelievably broken at the feet of Jesus. And then he kisses you back to wholeness. 
Half the stuff that I'm referencing right now, I was, I was supposed to open to it and read it. It's out of Song of Solomon, chapter 2. If you're wondering, you better put some Bible behind this for it to be legal. Trust me, if we were to open that, it'd be better than what I'm saying. It just would be that much more rich. And I remember in that moment, as all the, all the junk is coming out and all these things are coming out, and all the, all the false identity, all of the performance, just all of, all of the stuff. And you know what my wife did, honestly, in that moment? She didn't say anything. She didn't try to fix it. She didn't try to remind me of prophetic words. Even though if you're by yourself and you're alone, all perfect things that you should do. She just held me. That was it. She didn't ask anything. She didn't ask to fix anything. And it was, do you know that for the first time in our marriage and for one of the first times in, in, in my life, it was the first time I ever allowed another person to ever do that for me. Sometimes the most Im, 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 impressive and deep deliverance can happen in someone just giving you a hug. It is in his embrace that you will find true rest. And then all of a sudden, your sin struggles don't become about your ability to resist sin. It comes about your ability being able to rest in love. read this to you all. This is out of Song of Songs, chapter 2. And normally I wouldn't teach out of this, but I read it last night in the Passion Translation, and I don't think it can get much better than, than when it's out of the Passion Translation. I wouldn't normally teach out of this translation, but it says this, I am truly his rose. And by the way, it's, it's imperative that you hear this. This is this is Jesus talking over his bride. This is the bridegroom king talking over the Shulamite, the prophetic picture of God before man, Jesus before his bride, the bridegroom before his church. I am truly his rose, the very theme of his song. I'm overshadowed. Everyone in here say overshadowed. I'm overshadowed by his love like a lily growing in the valley. The emblem of a lily was engraved on the upper part of the pillars of Solomon's temple. Lilies are symbols of purity in the temple of our inner being. I want to share this with you all right now. If there's anyone in here and you're born again, you've made a decision for Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus, it's like, yes, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. I am his and he is mine. Can I give you a prophetic word right now that is going to prove to be 100% accurate and come to pass every single time? You are holy, you are righteous, and you are blameless and flawless in his sight. You are holy, you are righteous, and you are blameless and flawless in his sight. Behavior doesn't get to tell you that. The cross gets to tell you that. And if you think that it sounds, that's just, there's no way that it's in there. Read the book of Ephesians. I promise it's in there. Continue to read on in Song of Solomon chapter 2. It's in there. It's littered throughout the New Testament. It's littered throughout the letters of Paul. He goes from addressing the church as servants to addressing them as saints. Specifically, we see that in Ephesians. He moves to calling the church servants and starts calling you saints. 
I want all of you to hear me on this tonight, that tonight, by the way, this, this first uh, 10 weeks, myself, Jeff and Clay, we are teaching through our core values and who we are as a church. I just realized right now, I never even went into giving. I never took up the offering, so I'm sorry. We'll, we'll end with that. It was just, it was too precious of a moment to take away from it. So I'm sorry about that. But we're going through our core values. We have 10 of them. We don't expect you guys to memorize them. I believe over time, they'll just become natural. We, last week we were in worship. This whole week is about intimacy, intimacy. And I think it's funny that before I even stepped up to start teaching, I didn't even need to open up my mouth and it was just, it was just happening. And I don't know about you guys, but just sometimes I don't even need an answer to something. I just like, you just need him and you just need his presence. And the way that it undoes you is, is everything is you realize it's everything that you were searching for. And I need all of you to hear me tonight when I say this. And by the way, I will never teach something. Any Thursday night that you guys come here, I'm never going to teach something. This is my word to you. I'll never teach on something that's, that I'm not either walking out myself, learning myself, or have learned myself. And I believe that because I, I, I'll, I'll never forget the time that the Lord said, I will never ask you to do something or go into something that I have not yet first gone in or where I have not first done myself. And so all these things I'm talking tonight, to, to tonight out of current season. This is a current season message. This is a current season reality. And what I don't want us to do is that there's many people, intimacy has become a movement Romantic language has become catchy and like it's the new thing. We use romantic language and, and intimacy is a movement. And what's sad about that is that there's many people that have adopted a language and not given their hearts over to a lifestyle. And we know how to talk in certain ways and we know how to say all the right things, but our hearts are cold. And I wanna to say to you tonight that Jesus is coming to kiss your heart awake. What did we learn last week? That the word kiss is actually one of the most biblical definitions for worship, for worship. So in the encounter of worship, you ship him what he is worth. He kisses your heart awake. And as Jeff said, you actually then have the capacity and the ability to love him back. But all of you need to know in here, I don't even care if, it, if, if something happened today or as you were driving here, even as you were sitting in here. Each one of you need to hear that you are unbelievably holy and blameless. And it's, and it's not up for negotiation. It is sealed in blood. It is sealed in blood. And there's a man named Jesus standing before you, inviting you into that new covenant reality. You are holy and you are blameless. And for as long as you are with him, and for as long as he is with you, which is all of eternity, he's made up his mind about you. You are his greatest obsession and his greatest delight. You are his greatest obsession and you are his greatest delight. Anytime you doubt that, look at the cross because it was for you. Every step that he took, this, this battered, wooden, splintery thing, 
digging into his flesh, his naked flesh, his naked body, humiliatingly humiliated for all of humankind. He thought of you every step, every step that he took. It was, you were on his mind because you were the joy set before him, the joy set before him. I forget who said it. I, I wish I was the original person that said this. They said that the, that the, the story of the gospel was about a, a God so filled with love, it literally pulled him to the earth to get back what belonged to him. Love removed him from heaven and he chose to leave because love pursued you. And so here's how, here's how I wanna close this tonight. I know, by the way, that when you're asked something in a public setting, raise your hand, stand up, or, or do something. Like, I, like, man, I know, guys, I know that that's scary. I, I know that it's like, man, then, then people next to me are going to know what's going on. Then people next to me are going are gonna to really know. What if they say something that no one else has known yet? And, and it's just like, better chance the person next to you is probably just better at pretending than you are. <laughs> If there's anyone in here tonight and you can, you can just say, I've been dealing with perpetual hopelessness. Like this, this has just been, like it's not all the time, but there are just times where it's like, no, like there will just like hours and days of my life have been robbed because just hopelessness. I'm asking you to, I was vulnerable with you guys tonight and I'm asking you to be real with me. If you've been dealing with hopelessness, I just want you to raise your hand. In any way, I like I don't I don't even care I don't even care how, to to what degree. Okay, you put your hands down. If there's any of you in here, I'm not going to ask you to specify it really because it's none of our business. Addiction is plaguing your life in some way. I don't it doesn't I don't care what it is. It could literally be the fact like you're you're just addicted to scrolling Facebook and Instagram like incessantly. Like the littlest thing. Anything that's just it removes you from being fully present in a situation because you're not wanting to face the reality of something else. I don't care what or it could literally be hey I've been hooked on heroin for 10 years. If there's anyone in here tonight you brought an addiction into this place. I'm asking you to raise your hand. put your hands down. If there's anyone in here tonight that it's just, hey, I don't know what it is. I have this fear that just the worst is going to happen at all times. Like it's just, I'm just waiting for the, like, it's just it, like, no, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And it feels like it's only happening to me. Like you just, you just have, you're just wrestling with fear, just fear in general, whether it's fear of losing something, fear of having something, there's just fear. I want you to raise your hand. Here's what I'd like to do right now. Can we just close our eyes? I don't want, I don't want you looking to the person to the left or the right. No distractions in this time. This will be the most important thing that we do tonight. This is the serious business of heaven right here. This is the serious business of heaven right here. And then um, Jeff, Clay, Paige. Where's, yeah, Brandy. Steve, anyone, anyone? 
Anyone that would be on the, on the ministry team. I just want you to walk around and begin to pray for people because I'm pretty sure all, every, out of those three things, each, each and every single person raised their hand in here tonight. And here's what I want to do. It's 8.53 right now. I just want to invite the rest of our team. And I just want you to sit. It's 8.53. We're going to honor your time. Be out of here by nine. Honor, honor the fact that you have work or commitments tomorrow or work tonight or something. Let's, let's give him this time. And, and we're going to come around. We're just going to pray for you. And the only thing that I ask right now is that you just receive. You, you have to do nothing but receive in this moment. I don't care what that looks like for you. Get on your face, get on your knees, what, whatever, whatever you want to do. And I, and I just, we just want you to receive. And so I'm just, I'm going to pray right now. We're going to sit in this time. The team is going to come around. They'll just lay hands on your shoulders. And then if it gets to a point of where you need to leave and, and the, the time has come for you to go, we bless you. We love you guys. Thank you so much for choosing to be here with us tonight. We'll be back here next Thursday, same time, 7 p.m. to enjoy Jesus as a community. But Jesus, I just thank you right now. Yeah, Tony, can you pray, pray too? Yeah, thank you. And so Jesus, I just thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Thank you for the vulnerability of everyone that raised their hands and said, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. I'm dealing with that. Yes, that's me. And right now, tonight, Father, we pray over fear and say, in the name of Jesus, be gone. Addiction, leave now in Jesus' name. As Clay and Paige and Faith and Steve led us tonight, you have full permission to get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Hope, be restored in here tonight. Drug addiction, I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. The King of Kings is in the room and you're not allowed to stay. You're not welcome here and you're, not and you're no longer allowed to touch these ones. It doesn't belong to you. It do they don't get to, you don't get to have them anymore. And even the regret of drug addiction, I know that feeling well. I don't say this nicely, but in the name of Jesus, shut up and get out. <laughs> Any sexual addictions in here tonight, anything, whatever it is, thank you for mercy and for grace, Jesus. Mercy and grace breaks the yoke not getting smacked over the head, not even getting yelled at, and embrace breaks the yoke. The kiss breaks the yoke. The gentleness and kindness of God breaks the yoke, not, well, do better and get your act together. That anti-gospel message, we command you to leave here right now in Jesus' name. That anti-gospel message, we command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. Any bit of hopelessness that is in this room tonight, any bit of hopelessness. Oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm assuming the worst is happening. I swear it's coming to me. The worst is coming. Any bit of hopelessness, get out now in Jesus' name. Hope be restored. 
The cross still stands, so we have permission to get our hopes up. Well, it's risky to get my hopes up. What if I'm disappointed again? I don't wanna get my hopes up. What if I'm just let down again? Jesus, help me to realize, help us to realize we are not holding you up, you are holding us up. The cross still stands, so hopes can get up. Hope can be restored. In the name of Jesus, hopelessness leave. Regret of the past, leave. Regret of the past, leave. Self-condemnation, you're going to. Jesus, we exalt you. We honor you. And we celebrate you are the answer. You are the source. You are the direction. You are the way. You are the answer. You are true life. You are everything that we need. You are everything that we are looking for. You're everything that we never know that we wanted. And when we have you, you are everything that we want more of. No one knows how to write love stories like you. No one knows how to restore like you do. No one knows how to heal like you do. No one knows how to give like you do. No one knows how to woo like you do. No one knows how to be who you only are, King Jesus. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Wake up a Maranatha cry in your people that cries out in everything. Come Lord Jesus, come. Come Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha over your bride. Maranatha over each one of these issues. We fix our eyes on you as the answer, not on the problems. We are answer focused, not problem focused. We are living in response to your love, not in reaction to sin, problems, and struggles. The final word has been given, and it is this. Come away with me, my beloved bride, and I will fulfill all of your dreams and restore you and restore you to who you truly are. I will melt you into my image in the effortlessness of my grace. You will find true life for your soul, weariness for your soul, hopefulness for your hopelessness, life for your death, a running for your walking, a walking for your running, a humility for your pride, and a romance for your, for your heart that just seems apathetic and cold. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and I will pull you into this embrace of the new covenant where you find you are new, and it is not just fake, it's not just a feeling, it's not just an emotion, it's not something that's whipped up because the music is right, and the atmosphere is right, and the lights are right, it's because the one that is right and perfect and holy has positioned himself in the room and is calling you to himself and calling you home. Take your eyes off yourself and fix them upon the lover of your soul and cast your crown at his feet. He is here. He joyfully, with a smile on his face and with a jump in his step and with a celebration of his heart, he welcomes you home tonight. He welcomes you home tonight. He welcomes you home tonight. Not by might, not by power, 
but, my, but by my grace, says the Lord. See him and receive him. Be with him and lean upon him. Daily say I do to his proposal and pursuit of you. Hold, hold out your heart freely to him and he will give you his in exchange.